Hello and welcome to the inaugural Kelly podcast here on the 12th Man. Every week this season we'll be bringing you a fresh and exclusive podcast dedicated to the weird and wonderful world of Kilmarnock FC right here on the 12th Man. My name is Adam Lyon and I'm delighted to say that joining me today and throughout the season to chart the highs and lows of being a Kilmarnock fan is Craig Mahood. Craig, great to have you on board uh, for what should be a highly entertaining, entertaining season in the Scottish Premiership. It should be, Adam, it should be. Um, as you said, lots of highs and lows. Um, we've both been following Kilmarnock long enough to know that there'll be plenty of those. Um, another roller coaster season um, is probably going to be in front of us, but uh, it should be enjoyable. Um, and hopefully we get, we get at least a little bit of success this year. Absolutely. It's certainly going to be a, an interesting season, no matter what, um, with everything that's going on, no fans and such. Just before we, we briefly go into the into the Hibs game, the first game of the season, just uh, what, what are your brief thoughts on, on our signings so far and uh, you know how we're looking to, to shape up for the season ahead? I think um, it's funny because when it was introduced that we were going to start having nine subs, um, I was kind of worried thinking we're not going to have nine subs to put in um, with it with the 11 on the park. But it's not until you go through the squad now. Um, it looks as if we have plugged some of the gaps that we needed to. Um, obviously, we've got our two new fullbacks um, that I thought it was interesting that they, they didn't play on Saturday. Um, the two fullbacks, um, obviously the two goalkeepers as well, which I think will be something we'll discuss as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of unknown quantities in there. And so it's one of those, I just hope that they, they kind of step up and make the grade. Um, I think keeping the core, or the majority of the core that we've had over the last couple of seasons should hopefully kind of bode well for us um, going forward. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. As it was all about keeping that, that core group of players. You know, they hadn't been dissuaded by, by the change of manager and you know everything that happened last season and and the fact that we actually got the business done early this year as opposed to to previous years where we left it you know so late to the last couple of days the last couple of hours in fact um and to to get you know a good bit of business six five or six players in early um was really important i think um and i think it's shown you know the influence that, that james fowler has had in his first sort of main transfer window as director of football where he was we have somebody specifically able to to identify those targets early and it means we can go for them as soon as the window opens rather than leaving it to basically pick up the scraps of what what other teams don't want effectively, which is exactly yeah. what happened last summer and in January as well. Oh, agreed. Um, do you think then, do you think we've got enough? Do you think we, we, we still need to strengthen? Um, we've, we've obviously now we've seen how the kind of teams that we'd expect to be ruined about as next season. We've seen how they've kind of shaped up over the, the first weekend. Do you think we need? Do you think we need anything else, or do you think we're kind of just about there? Yeah. At the end of the day, I think we've got to be realistic. I think the players that we've got in just now, I'm actually quite surprised that we managed to get them. Specifically, um, Aaron McGowan from from Hamilton and uh, Aaron Tishbola as well. Cause I think they're both. You know, very good, high quality players, and I think I think that the fact that they have managed to get them so early in the window is, is really good business. So, um, obviously, the team the teams that we want to be competing with, Hibs and um, even Motherwell to an extent, they have slightly slightly greater finances than we do, and um, are able to spend just a bit extra on 
you know, the wages or, or a signing fee for, for a high quality player that can make the difference in games. But that is something that, that I'm going to come back to later on anyway when we talk about Hibs. But um, overall, yeah, I think our signs have been good and, and should shape up well for, for the season ahead. Um, so just, you know, going on to straight on to it really, it seems like we only just decided to call the league and now we're straight on to the next <laughs> season. But um, obviously first game away to Hibs, a, a really tough place to go in any case, never mind the first game of the season. And um, from a fan's point of view, obviously still not allowed in yet. But Hibs is, their, their decision not to, to stream it and allow Kelly fans and their own home fans as well to pay for it. And a bit of a, a shock, wasn't it? And a bit of a, you know, a kick in the teeth to, to fans who've waited so long for for football to come back and then we can't even watch the, the first game legally, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, really disappointing um, when the announced they weren't going to be um, releasing it for, for pay-per-view. I think the fact that we still haven't had any kind of clarification on it um, and we're just left with the assumption that they're protecting the, the cost of the season tickets, um, you know, trying not to cheapen them anyway. Uh, I know that they'll probably rightly so have been the kind of big club and they, they do get a good support. Their prices, um, you know, they, they maybe don't have the same incentives likes of ourselves and Mullerwell have done where you can get the 19 home games and carry it into next season but it was still disappointing that they couldn't just put something on because like you said what, what are we four five months um, after the last game just being able to watch it especially Hibs as well because we do tend to take quite a good support there um, so it was, it was disappointing that we couldn't do that um, obviously now looking back now we know what the score was it's probably <laughs> probably not as disappointing, but I think there was I think there was plenty of positives to take. I don't know what you thought. I thought there was plenty of positives, um, and I'm not generally one that would be positive about a defeat. Uh, but I think I think we've done all right. I thought we played okay. No, absolutely. I think there was there was plenty of positives to take. Um, obviously, we know that now. But you know, going in, into the game in terms of the the lineup, it didn't. I don't know what how you felt, but it didn't really inspire confidence. We just we got we got the two signings in the the two fullbacks, um, and the fact that neither of them were playing, along with Ian Brophy, who wasn't playing either. It just seemed like a really it wasn't the team that we all expected to start. I think in the week leading up to it was what maybe threw people a little bit. Um, would you mm. would you agree with that? I would, yeah. Um, I said I thought I actually thought the two the two fullbacks done well, um, Millen. I mean, that cross in the first kind of few minutes kind of, I thought might have been, been the, the kind of catalyst for us. But I, I actually thought they had, they had a good game, um, the two of them. As you said, even the, the kind of murmurs that uh, Dicker actually might make the squad after I thought he was going to be missing the first few weeks anyway. Um, so to have him missing, Brophy not starting, uh, and then, like you said, the two, two full-backs that, when they were signed, there was a little bit of kind of hype around. Um, I, I thought, like you, like you're saying, when you kind of read the team, it wasn't one that I thought we can kind of go there and and compete, uh, which is not a kind of easy thing to say. But on the flip side of that, there was a couple of boys in there that didn't really get a chance and haven't really had a chance. Uh, so the first game of the season, no fans there. I think it's probably done them the world of good. No, absolutely. I think you're right. Um, you, you can see it from both sides of the coin. You know, you, you'd like our new 
signings to be playing because that's what we brought them in for, um, especially the calibre of the two um, fullbacks that we brought in. But, you know, Millen and, and Waters have bided their time at Kilmarnock and other clubs as well out on loan. Um, and it was good to see them getting that run out. But you would have thought just before the game started, Alex Dyer would have been saying, you know, Hibs is a hard place to come. First game of the season, keep it keep it tight early on. Um, <laughs> don't give anything away um, early or easily because you, you've got to remember, Hibs are a, fan, a fantastic team when they want to be, especially going forward. They've got some fantastic players in there. And to find ourselves 1-0 down after after five minutes was... You know, it was always going to be so hard to come back from there, wasn't it? It was, um, and I think it's you know it's, it's well known how quick Martin Boyle is. You know, we all we all know that from the last kind of couple of seasons. To give him that kind of space, you know, the space between Broadfoot and Millen was was kind of as you were saying. If Dyer's telling them keep it tight for the first 10-15 minutes. It seemed there was a good run he made, but it was a big gap there. I would love to be able to back up the keeper, but I just don't know what he's doing uh, come flying out there. I know there'll be a bit of nerves and a bit of wanting to do well, but he's completely got that wrong. Um, so it's a, you know the worst possible start. As I said, that's that's just after that chance that we had at the other end where the cross evaded Kilty, Kabamba and McKenzie at the back post as well. So you're looking at that thinking, you know, starting on the front foot, this is good. And then caught with a sucker punch at the other end, um, which was, you know, it's then it makes a tough away game just that little bit tougher early on. No, absolutely. And I don't think that, you know, you can you can blame the goalkeeper. Obviously, yes, he, he came out far too quickly. I think, it, as you say, it was maybe nerves just wanting to prove himself and, and come out, come out with a good early clearance uh, to get rid of the danger, but completely misjudged it. And, you know, I'm sure he'll learn from that. But just in that first half especially, the defending just just wasn't up to standard. When you've got to think about it, these four guys at the back, they've never played together before in that mm-hmm. in that back four. Obviously, obviously Finlay and, and Broadfoot played together for, for two seasons and should really know what each other's doing and they should be able to read each other. But, at times, it just seemed like you know everyone was running everywhere, and there wasn't really any cohesion between the back four. There was nobody really leading the line there, which is something strange because both Finley and Broadfoot have been in this game for long enough, and they should be vocal, especially to the to the younger, less experienced guys um, in the fullback positions. But it just seemed like everyone was all over the place, and for that second goal as well, it just seemed all a bit too easy. The space between the the midfield and the and the defence was just massive. Um, and then everyone was just getting dragged all over the place. There was no real discipline at the back. And, you know, Martin Boyle, again, it's a, it's a good finish, but it was just made a bit too easy for Hibs to get to get those first two goals. Yeah, um, I think the, the amount of space that Alan had, you know, he didn't then you know, drive him from the, the centre circle. He's not then faced with a Gary Dicker, you know, who just sits there and that's all he does. Um, and it's something that... Dicker takes a lot of stick in our fan base, which is, which in my opinion is completely um, unjust. Because I think the job he does, we need him, and it just completely proved it. You know, the, the two goals, the, the space that Alan had was far too much, and it then took Finlay to step out to go and meet him. By that point, he's already played it out to Boyle. Waters, 
water should have got tighter to him. Um, but then he is only a few, yard, a few yards off him. But the finish, again, just seemed so straightforward. You know, he's hitting it from an angle. It's going through waters. Eastwood really doesn't look as if he was anywhere near it. I know he's maybe not expecting the shot. Let's say it was a good finish. Um, similar to the first one, actually, right in the corner. Um, but I don't think we helped ourselves in the, the defensive side. I think it was, was it Tushpola diving in for a tackle. Alan skips away and, you know, after that, it's kind of, they've got, the, they've got that kind of potency up front. You know, that's, that's what they can do to teams. And when you're 1-0 down, you don't want to be kind of giving them that, that avenue, you know, making it that straightforward for them. No, absolutely. And 2-0 down and, and Martin Boyle looking really up for it. You're, you know, I think a lot of us were thinking the worst, but um, sometimes all it takes is a bit of quality to, to get us back into the game. And the man that's delivered, you know, so much for us over the past couple of seasons, Chris Burke, you know, an absolute peach of a free kick, absolutely stunning. Um, you know, in that game, he was he was certainly, you know, one of our best players, one of the, the shining lights. But how, how important could he be for us this season in terms of being the man that the players come to, to to try and produce that bit of magic to to either win his games or, or get his back into games. That's it. I mean, the, he is one of those players where if he's not in the team, you notice it. You know, he is, he is someone that at his age we shouldn't be looking for him to be playing two or three games a week, but we're probably going to be relying on him playing two or three games a week. Because uh, he is really important to us, not even just the goals, but the the work create of that side, helping Millen out especially, um, but just his quality. Even when he when he put the ball down, you know, I'm I'm looking at the telly thinking, don't shoot from there, you know, create an angle. We've got big guys at the back post, fight for the second ball, whatever. Just don't go up and just put your foot through it. Um, and he's absolutely pinged one right in the top corner. And as you said, he's, he's somebody that we're going to not so much rely on, but in terms of creativity, we don't have a Greg Stewart that's going to unlock these defences, find these little pockets and, and kind of create that. Um, we're desperately in need of one of those. So it's going to come from corners and crosses in and things like that. So that's why I think he'll be... I don't know what you think, but I think he'll be probably again one of our most important players this season. No, absolutely, and and you know the absolute fear is that if Chris Burke gets injured or or gets suspended for a couple of games, you know we don't have that that cutting edge. We don't have that that creative influence in there, as you were saying, a Greg Stewart or or even a Jordan Jones or someone somebody like that, someone that yeah. we've had alongside Chris Burke when one's maybe not on form and the other one can come in, but you have to say that Chris Park's really the only one that can do that at the minute. And I think I think it showed in that second half because we really controlled the game. We, can, we controlled most of the game, to be honest. And I think that's what's one of the most disappointing things about the game. We, we controlled the passing, we controlled the tempo. But it was just that lack of cutting edge. The fact that we only have that one player in there that can really produce you know, that final pass, that bit of magic. And you know it showed we, we had all the possession, but at the end of the day, just didn't test... Um, the Hibs goal enough and, and if you don't yeah. do that then you're not going to score goals and that's just how it proved to be That's it I think there's there's been too many games I think um, especially towards the end of last season before it was, was stopped where you actually 
well in control of the game. In fact, the, the game I'm actually thinking of was Hibs at home, and it was a Sunday afternoon, a kind of random one that was on Sky. Um, and again, I think we could beat 2-1 that day as well. And it was one of those where it was relentless attack after attack, but you never at any point thought, we're going to score here. There was a couple of kind of half chances, and um, but, but there didn't seem to be that kind of Greg Stewart, the link between the midfield and, and strikers. You're then having to, to put it up to Kabamba, put it up to Brophy, get them to hold it up and try and get runners runners forward. And um, it would be it'll be difficult to, to kind of go through that again because it's that's a game we should really have taken something from um, on the kind of balance of play. To, to lose it in the way that we did, as you said, not really testing Hibs is, is disappointing. No, absolutely. And, and I think I, I, hate, I hate to keep going back to it, but I think that's the game that we would have got something out of under Steve Clark. I just think, you know, the way that we were playing at that time, we would have got the goals that we needed to, and that would have been that. But yeah, I, th- I think no cutting edge is the main thing to take out of that game. I don't know about you, but. Yeah. Um, it just feels like it was a bit of an opportunity wasted and if we're wanting to compete in the top six and try and get a top six spot this season or even higher up these are the kind of games that we need to be taking points off of we can't we can't be letting Hibs you know get three points ahead of us at this stage because thinking about it they're the, they're the ones that we want to be competing with at the top end of the league and you know those are the games that that we've got to be trying to, to at least get something from um, ever, ever going to try and be up there at the end of the season? Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, do you think then? I know what we're saying about kind of cutting edge. We've, we've got a few guys there. We've got the likes of um, Whitehall, Pinnock. You know these kind of players that we've brought in. Can you see us changing it for next week? Do you think that Dyer will, will kind of look to these guys? Um, will he likes a Brophy will he kind of come back in do you think there'll be many changes for, for Celtic next week um, it's, it's such a tough one isn't it because bringing, bringing these players in in the, in the window and then thrusting them right in to a home game against Celtic I know the fans aren't there and everything everything surrounding the atmosphere isn't there but it's still it's still Celtic these are world class players that that you're throwing these young guys in your your pinnocks and and everyone like that in at the deep end who have never played in Scotland before, never mind against Celtic, and and to do that I think would be would be a big mistake. So I think uh, Alex Dyer will be you know in with the old guard, the ones who know what it's like to play against the old firm, you know against these types of players um, who who aren't looking to go out there and you know, shine on their debut. They're just looking to to get through the game, do a solid job and try and get something out of it, I think will be the most important thing. Next weekend isn't a a time to to bleed these new players in. It's not a time to give them their debuts at all. They they should be, you know, just a a home game against an opposition that that should be in the bottom six this season would be a perfect time for them. But but next week, no, you're wanting the experienced guys and the ones that, that know what it's like to play yeah. at this level against Celtic. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've we kind of know how we're going to set up because we've set up similarly the last four or five years, um, even before Clark. You know, it's always try and make it try and make us tough to beat. Um, so no, I, I agree. Um, I think the the introduction of the five subs 
does give us that opportunity later on in the game. You know, if we are we are chasing it or we need someone to get us up the park, we do have these, you know, these kind of players at the top end that can come on for your brophies that we know typically will run your socks off for 75, 80 minutes. Um, and then if we just need that little bit extra later on, it is there. Um, but no, I, I, I tend to agree. I don't think there'll be too much of a too much of a change. Um, if it, probably the only one I would say would be if, if Dicker is fit, um, we'll probably be bringing him back in for Kilty. I, I would I would assume because um, Kilty being a more kind of forward player, um, you would look at that as a as a position where we might try and be a little bit more solid. Apart from that, um, I don't see, like you say, I don't think there'll be too much of a change um, unless he fancies bringing McGowan in. Again, somebody that would have played against Celtic, played in these games before, uh, on the, the artificial pitch especially. That might be an avenue you'll look at, but I suppose it's, it's something we'll wait and see. No, I absolutely agree with you. You know, it's all about experience in these kind of big games and and that's exactly what we need um, on Sunday. Um, just one quick thing before we go into a score prediction. Obviously, we talked about it about a second ago. Usually, when you're playing Celtic or Rangers at home, it's the atmosphere that that really you know spurs the old firm on um, in those kind of games. Even when they've only got one stand, you know that you know the noise that they make anyway, and and you know that can really help their players. But but in terms of rugby park jink and playing Celtic jink, our players will be. Will be aided by the fact that it's a an area, you know, there's nobody there. It's an area atmosphere, and you know the the away fans aren't aren't behind their players as they would usually be. Or do you think it'll, you know, hinder them a wee bit? The fact that the home fans aren't there as well, and you know, it just, it just all seems a bit weird, and it might actually lessen the the threat that that Celtic pose in terms of in the Kelly players' minds. They're thinking, oh, you know, the fans aren't there. You know, they're not going to be. You know that sort of invincibility is taken away, but these these players are still the same. They're still the they're still you know world class players, and you know we've just got to to be wary of that. The fact that there's no fans and and it's a silent stadium doesn't matter. These players have still got the talent, and um, you know if we're not playing at our best, then you know unfortunately we're going to get nothing out of the game. That's it. Um, I think that the second half, um, especially with the old firm behind the goal um, and shooting at the, the Chadwick stand, it does feel different. It does feel different. Um, I would normally sit in the, the Moffat stand myself and it does seem like a big a big switch in that second half. You can feel that the anticipation and the noise behind the goal does almost feel as if it is bringing, you know, the, the ball is attracted, you know, to the goal. Um, at our side, I think, I think it might help our players initially. I I just don't know if it'll be enough with the television cameras there as well. I would still hope that it's not going to, you know, I still hope the boys will be up for it. You know, it's not, it's not really an easy start. We've got going to Easter Road, then um, Celtic coming to us, and then up up, at, up in Dingwall uh, before we go to before we go to Ibrox. So I would hope that they were would still be up for it without the crowd being there. I just don't know later on in the game if without the kind of support behind I would hope that it's not gonna I would hope it's not gonna hinder us, put it that way. I don't know if it'll hinder Celtic, but I would just hope that we kind of stick to our usual game, 
they're just making it difficult for them to break us down. I think I think you're absolutely right. But you know, like so much of what this this upcoming season is going to be, you know, you don't know until you That's until it. you see it. There's <laughs> so there's so yeah. many unknowns coming up in the next couple of months. Um, you know, we have no idea, and we'll just have to wait. Um, so just, just before we finish, do you have a, a score prediction for for Sunday? Um, either positive or negative, <laughs> it's up to you. Um, I think I, I think I won each draw. That'll be my <laughs> my kind of sit in the fence there. Um, I've I seen enough. I've seen enough positives on Saturday to think we can go and even be a bit of a threat. Um, but I also watched the Celtic game on Sunday um, and know that it's going to be, if, if, we're, if it's the same kind of mistakes that we're making, we'll get punished a lot more than we, than we did on Saturday and we did get punished. Um, so I'll, I'll go for a one each. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly what I was going to go for. It's not to sound <laughs> boring or anything, but no, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. The, 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 the key point for us to get anything out of this game is to keep odds on Edward quiet and that is no mean feat especially with what we saw on Saturday with the mistakes that were made and just the, the complete chaos in the defence in the first half to keep him quiet is going to be a massive massive task but if anyone can do it I think Kirk Broadfoot can uh, just wind <laughs> him up and, and do anything that he needs to do apart from getting sent off to keep him quiet put him off his game and we have a chance of getting something out of it but he, if, he, if he's on form and we allow him the time to get on the ball, then he is going to punish us. And, you know, it's, it's going to be the same for so many teams in the league this season. Um, you know, he is the focal man for Celtic. He's the one, you know, he scored a hand-trick at the weekend. So keeping him quiet, one all. Um, but if not, it could be a long, it could be a long afternoon for us. So um, we'll just need to wait and see, but um, you will find out in the next podcast. So, so Craig, thanks very much for... For, for joining us here um, it's been a, a fantastic first um, look into Kilmarnock this season and hopefully it only gets uh, better from here indeed uh, good good stuff speak to you next week thank you Th- thanks everyone that's all we've got time for today uh, thanks for listening to the inaugural Kelly podcast here on 12th Man make sure you stay tuned to the website each week uh, for more from us and for all the other clubs as well you can go and check them out um, there's going to be plenty going on there follow the uh, 12th Man on Twitter as well plenty going on there and once again thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week i think that worked